This is Constantinople, great conversations in a great city. Are you trying to cultivate wisdom, virtue, and joy in your life and in the lives of those around you? You're in good company. Welcome to Constantinople. I'm your host, Megan Muller. Today, I am joined by Mr. Galen Nickel, Ms. Jane Meinke, and Mrs. Laura Nickel. And today we're going to be talking about uh, theater and its place in any educational endeavor. Um, the reason this came about is because we have um, an interesting class that's being offered on campus this year, um, which these three people will tell you about in a little bit. Um, and I guess our fine arts faculty were sort of having a conversation about um, staging plays and the way that the theater process takes place on a campus with students. And um, the conversation sort of turned to this idea that um, basically every school offers theater. Um, it's kind of a holdover. If you go to a, you know, basically every public school, even every you know, private Christian school, pretty much is going to have a theater department where kids are getting involved in, um, in putting on productions. But um, as a classical school, um, we're doing it on purpose. Uh, we believe that theater is actually an integral part of the education that we offer. Um, uh, there are lots of historical evidences of this. Um, uh, we read plays and classes as texts, and then we explore producing plays on campus where students are given, um, given roles and help with production design and all of those sorts of things. So the faculty that are in this room are all of the folks who have directed plays on our campus um, in the seven-year history of our school. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the importance and the place of theater in um, the educational work of a school, and a classical Christian school perhaps in particular. Um, so thank you all for being here today. Thank you. All right. So I guess the first thing that I want to ask is um, what makes – I'm going to put you on the defensive right away. Um, I'm going to demand an, an apologia uh, for theater. What makes, oh, good. What makes the dramatic arts – um, an essential part of the educational experience? We have no idea. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> uh, stories matter very deeply to humans. Um, and the cool thing, the thing that is unique about theater is that it's not just a story that we are looking at or listening to or reading on a page. It's a story that is being acted out in real time. Um, there's something sort of, well, no, I won't say that. There's something that matters very deeply about um, having a human being in front of you, forcing you to listen and see and consider a story, a character um, from a fresh angle. It's not just something you can look at on a page and distance yourself from. It's happening in front of you. It matters. Yeah, I think, I mean, theater is going to happen anywhere. Like, it's, it's an inevitability of people living together. And so it's important, as any inevitable thing that happens when people are living together, that we think about doing it well and have people practice and, and train in it. So I'm thinking, like, uh, that's, that's, the, that's kind of theater's place in the fine arts, I suppose. So, like, people can't help but make music. Mm -hmm. People can't help but tell stories. Um, people can't help but perform in front of their community 
Um, we see it across cultures and across history and production value does not have to be at a certain level in order to make that possible. Um, it's occurring, it's occurring everywhere. Yeah. And it happens, you know, in very formal ways in terms of, ah, let us set up and do a production because we are moved inside our human spirits to do this thing with high production value or low production value or what have you. It happens every day on the playground when there's a kid who's like, ha, this thing. And all of his classmates are like, oh, yes, that thing. <laughs> or in our, you know, lounge and like, all right, everyone, it's time for you to study. And then a student stands up and like start something starts happening. And they're like, ah, yes, I am a person in a room with other people. And we are having a moment right now. And we're doing a thing. Uh, and that's going to happen. And that's good. That's, that's how people are built to be. And, and theater is, is the art of specifically thinking about that, thinking about those relationships of that moment, of you know, yourself, of the people you're with. Oh. And so you should train. Interesting. There's a, there's a book called, the, is it The Empty Space? Mm-hmm. By Peter Brook, um, where he says that the elements of theater, all you need to make theater happen is one person walking across an empty space and one person to observe them. Right. There's someone doing a thing and there's someone watching. So I think that's what you're talking about. Theater's going to happen. Right. Um, people are doing things and other people are watching. Um, and so what what we do in a theater program, in theater classes, in, in performances and rehearsal processes um, is train that craft. Be intentional about the thing that you are doing mean to cross the space, the way you cross the space, mean to say the line the way you say the line. So I'm thinking about sort of the way that typical high school theater departments exist. Um, I'm thinking about like they, you know, like the ramping up production value to be as like high as possible. Like I've been to a, I went to like a, you know, sort of a big, you know, suburb high school's production of um, The Wizard of Oz and like Glenda descended from the ceiling in like a magical bubble. Like they had very clearly Fancy. rented, they had very clearly rented all of the like stage mechanisms from some off Broadway production, um, which I'm sure means that they staged that show for thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, Jane, I know you've worked professionally in, in sort of the production side of like, uh, of like stagecraft. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like, Obviously, we look at the ancient Greeks and production value would have been quite low. We're talking about an amphitheater with some masks and maybe, you know, maybe some costume elements and like maybe some atmospheric elements. But it's staged outdoors. They don't have lighting. It's not candles and fire and things like that. Um, The Globe Theater, you know, it's kind of similar. We're not talking about like a totally immersive production experience like we expect in the 21st century. Can you talk a little bit about like what elements of production design are required to like make it good or good enough to be <laughs> worth it? And then like how, how we've experienced production design as like a small starting classical school. That's not a professional theater. Yeah. It's interesting um, sort of contrasting the sort of what Laura was saying about Peter Brooks definition of theater being like one person walking across an empty room and one person observing them with our actual lived experience of conventional modern theater, which is way over the top, high production value, tons of sets and things to make you really feel like you're there. Like we really want to like be exciting and creative and splashy and give you a show. Um, And 
since, yes, that's my like professional background is working at for like a full scale musical theater production company. Um, I love that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, if we have thousands of dollars, let's like build a bubble so Glenda can come out of the sky. That's cool. <laughs> um, so but part of that is because I've always loved the mechanics of theater. When I go to see a stage production, a lot of what fascinates me is how they're making the set move and work and that sort of creative artistic element of the show has been the thing that's always hooked me um, as opposed to the acting portion which is um, obviously the more necessary part I I guess (laughs) one could argue you could have a play without people (laughs) that will be our next episode (laughs) Jane and I will argue (laughs) Um, but yeah so when we're thinking about production value and sort of the absolute necessities I think the Greeks are a great place to look at that right you have a few set characters um, and we see that for a really long time throughout the history of western theater that sort of doesn't change Um, even once uh, theater sort of transitions focus from ancient greek to the roman plays like the romans introduce music and that's a big development like wow and so that sticks around for a couple thousand years and then (laughs) we're still doing it yeah (laughs) Um, and then like we move towards like english theater um, and a lot of where theater production sort of really takes off interestingly is um, in the mystery plays or uh, religious production and that still holds over so a lot of times when we're thinking about production value or theater I don't know if we even necessarily relate to this but um, or if it's the instant like connection that a lot of people make but mass is a kind of theater um, liturgy is a kind of theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it comes from this very old tradition of someone standing in front of a group of people and leading them through a particular kind of story or activity um, that becomes expected over time. And so uh, one of the interesting elements of production and familiarity with the story that you're being told is that as you're more familiar with the story, the less you have to do to sell people on the story. Mm-hmm. I think we see this a lot with, if I'm trying to think of a modern example, um, Peter Pan. Um, there are, there's a wide spectrum of how you can present Peter Pan to an audience. You can go full scale, flying rig, like people are doing lots of things. You've got costumes, you've got giant, enormous, crazy sets. Like you can really go for it. Or you can do a couple of kids on a stage making believe with what they have. And both are valuable and interesting. Um, but it's just kind of about how you want to present the story and what kind of experience you want both your actors and the theater goers to have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, th- I think, yeah, Peter Pan's a good example of, like, the audience is experiencing some kind of suspension of belief. Like, it's not like if I go to see a Wizard of Oz production and Glenda doesn't descend from the sky in a bubble, I'm like, that's not how fairies come down from the sky. They <laughs> that's not really Glenda. Fancy bubbles. Like, there's not... Your portrayal of witches was not accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these, these characters in this play, who I believe are very real, were not portrayed the way that I would like them to. Yeah, there's, there's like, it's like to what degree are you asking the audience to... Uh, to provide the context in their own minds. And I think about like the like the ancient Greek chorus is a good example of this, right? Like if you don't have the the big elaborate set pieces or like a huge crowd of Thebans or something like that, the chorus can just sort of narrate to you what to imagine and the audience does the imaginative work, but the actors have provided are still providing what actors provide when there is, you know, like 
I'm thinking about like the Colosseum, you know, like filling the Colosseum with water and reenacting naval battles. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you could do that. That's or, high production value, right? There. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Unmatched, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know of anyone else who's doing that, frankly. Uh, I'm actually our next year season. I, I have put a tiny Colosseum on every wish list I've had since <laughs> we started school uh, construction. So. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think uh, ancient Greek amphitheater is like a, is, is is probably likely. I don't know about a yeah. full on Colosseum. Yeah, I think there's something really valuable about a paired-back production. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You get into the weeds a little bit about, like, I'm using air quotes here, legitimate theater versus sort of, like, musical theater production value Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And um, they're obviously, like, there's a lot of nuance in there Mm -hmm. um, about what people sort of think is valuable about each of those things. Um, And I think it's hard because there's so much to enjoy about really high production value things, uh, shows and theater and musical theater and all that sort of stuff. But I do think it detracts a little bit from our ability to make theater accessible for people. And so if you're thinking about something like our school is quite small, um, we don't have an endless budget for theater stuff. And so if we were to say like, oh, well, we can't do it because we can't produce a really high quality show that allows you to suspend belief with very little work on your part, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, then we just wouldn't be able to do it. But instead, uh, because we have such a broad spectrum of what's available to us, um, because we don't have to have those things, that opens up a much wider door for us and a much larger spectrum of things that we can invite the kids into being like, look, you can do theater in all kinds of ways. Like, they keep begging for a musical, and I keep being like, we can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because... Because it's much easier for us to invite our our community into an experience where we're creating something that's accessible to them, um, that's accessible to our whole community, and it's something that our whole community can be a part of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think there's something that's really particularly beautiful about being able to unlock the deep urge people have to... Uh, buy into something that's very elegantly simple and intentional and specific. Uh, think of I'm actually I'm hung up on on this story about Grace Hopper, who's this you know wild you know computer scientist changed things in computer science slash admiral in the navy from the you know last um, few decades few decades before I think she passed away a few years ago um, but but she, she had this thing that she would run around uh, carrying a little piece of wire that was 30 centimeters long uh, and um, would when she would run into people and I know because I know people who ran into her in an airport like oh Grace Hopper oh my goodness like it's such an honor to meet you and she'd just like whip out this piece of wire like do you know what this is like no like this is a nanosecond because the, the wire is the length that uh, it takes the distance that light travels in one one billionth of a second. And like I, I pulled that out when I was teaching a science class a little while back. Just like, oh, yeah, like this is a fun thing. And there's something, again, about having a very specific thing that in like measuring out on a ruler, being like, oh, this is a nanosecond. Kids are like, yeah, you drug that ruler out of your back pocket and like we use it for the other stuff. Um, or like drawing on a board or like pacing it out. That's cool and something. But having something that, hey, here's this this piece of wire. It's a little thing that is not exactly how you usually see wire being used, specifically being offered to represent something 
deep and inviting and strange and mystical that pulls it, like in a classroom context, it, like every grade level that I've done this with, which is a big spectrum of them, like they're pulled in immediately. It's a, you know, it's a little piece of theater and that's a lot of theater that people are like, ah, well, you know, we don't have the budget for that. And yes, do I want an amphitheater that we could flood 100%? Uh, <laughs> but there's something exceptionally beautiful about being able to very precisely place one thing. And we see a lot of, in, in recent decades especially, um, of the theaters that do have resources for big production things really scaling to very elegant, specific, intentional things. I like the idea of a, of a, of a, a director and a cast putting together something and saying, we know how you spend lots of your hour or 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at your phone. You drive in your car. You sit at your computer at, at work. Um, you sleep. Here's 90 minutes that we made. And it is specific. And specific things will be said and actions will be taken. And we've rehearsed them over and over. And now we're handing it to you. Like we're, we're, we're placing it for you to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that level of intentionality and care can, can take place in the, I mean, history is kind of on our side here in any context, regardless of the technology that you have available. So people can, there is never, I don't know, maybe someone's been in one of these. I never have a play where you feel like we had enough time to fully explore exactly <laughs> what we're going to do here. Like um, you're racing, you know, months, however, however much preparation time that you give yourself, you're racing against the clock. You don't feel like you've fully explored what was even possible, but you've, you pour hours and hours into it. And then you offer, you know, maybe if, you know, if you're a school like ours, maybe you have what, five or six productions over the course of two weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to stage it five or six times um, after having practiced who knows how many more hours than that. And you hand it to people and say, here. Like, you can spend 90 minutes with this thing that we've made for you. I like that a lot. Yeah, Yeah, and that's how uh, theater differs from film or other sort of mediums like that. You know, we're not just handing them a finished product and saying, ha-ha, enjoy. We're asking them, you know, you you hit on this earlier, Jane. Uh, There's work required of the audience. It's, It's a partnership. It's something we're doing together. Yeah. Yeah, it differs from film also in that, like, you can't rewatch it. Like, theater is a thing that happens in time for a brief period, and you either get to experience it or you don't. Um, And that, yeah, that I I think, too, is interesting uh, if we're thinking about the dichotomy between sort of full-scale produced modern theater and more scaled-back production is um, we think about, like, professionalism and the ways in which uh, a perfect show will be performed perfectly every time. Mm-hmm. And that's not theater anymore mm-hmm. um, because every audience is different. Every show is different. Mm-hmm. Every moment that you as an actor are on stage, you are different. Mm-hmm. Um, it is impossible to deliver the same line the same way every time. And we shouldn't ask actors to do that because it's not honoring the time that they're spending mm-hmm. on stage in front of a particular audience. And so, Um, Yeah, I think one of the other interesting aspects of that is the way in which theater really requires students to practice presence Mm -hmm. um, and being uh, truthful about what they're doing in every given moment, uh, which can be really, really hard. (laughs) And so a lot of what you do is you still ask them to try and say it the right way every time. But 
being able to have them uh, goof it up every once in a while, right? Like there's something in an audience that loves when a mistake happens <laughs> um, because it reminds you like, oh yeah, we're all actually here together experiencing this right now. Mm-hmm. There's this story about Marlon Brando that I was I tell to the cast all the time and always I'm like, and I'm very conflicted about this um, of him being in a scene with someone on stage where they were supposed to give him some keys and the actor like who's supposed to give him the keys got on stage and realized like, oh, shoot, I don't have the prop. And so he went and like sort of, you know, cupped hand mimed giving Marlon Brando the keys and Marlon Brando just like stepped back, like hands open, like what you're giving me a handful of nothing. Like what, what, what are you doing here? Uh, because he was, he was so much more interested in sort of honestly what was happening in that moment than being like, oh, well, we had to do it this way because uh, that's, that's how we practiced. And, and the tension of that is it's, it's very deeply honoring to the moment, and it's a real jerk move to his scene partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we, we talk about that a lot. But that, that learning to honor, I, I like how you said, you know, the, the every single time is, is precious, and that's... That's the one of the biggest things that you have to learn as actors and as an acting community. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in we're in the part of uh, the run of the play that we're doing right now. Well, actually, it started with our first read through um, that you know pushed them not to think about like oh we have this many nights until we have an audience, this many nights until opening night. But here's how many times we have to tell the story. And last night was our we we had uh, a run last night, and that was. Are we'll have eight more after that, and then you know we've got another run tomorrow night, and you know then that's we'll have seven more. Uh, that every moment they're up there mm-hmm. is the one. Right. Yeah. That focus on presence influences everything we do with actors, um, whether in the plays or in the class that we're doing. Um, wow, I just totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Will you talk a little about yeah. the class? Oh, yeah. Um, So in addition to doing a a play each semester, we're doing an ensemble class this year um, where we have 22 students this year, which is great. Um, They come in every Tuesday, Thursday. We spend the whole class period together um, doing warm ups. Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's why we bothered to spend so much time. Um, I'll come back to the class in a minute. But why we bother to spend so much time getting actors mentally, emotionally, physically prepared before they do any acting work. We spend a lot of time in warm-ups. Um, from a pragmatic standpoint, that might be a waste of time for some people because, you know, you could just be running lines a bunch and learn to learn your lines really, really well during this time. Um, we think it's important to stop and stretch and breathe and then play a silly game where you make shapes with your body with a bunch of people in a room together um, and then you can start your work Um, but so the class that we're doing is it's ensemble we get together every Tuesday Thursday uh, spend fifth period doing warm-ups and exercises and games um, theater games theater exercises some of them and whoever's called for rehearsal that day it happens at the same time as the play play rehearsals Uh, so whoever's called that day to rehearsal will go after we all do warm-ups together. Um, and then they'll rehearse whatever scenes are being rehearsed that day. But the ensemble continues the work of the ensemble. We keep doing theater work together because um, we think it's important, whether you're in a show or not, to be working at the craft of acting, um, of training your body, training your physicality, being able to work with other people in an acting context. 
There's something funny about, um, this has come up a couple of times in conversation for me recently. There's something funny about like, um, like this modern obsession with authenticity where Mm -hmm. we're like being yourself is most important, which means like, don't ever hide what you think and don't ever be polite when you have a rude thought, like just be (laughs) like the the highest value is to be yourself in every moment. And, um, there's a funny like thing about acting where, um, I think there's like a like there's like a simultaneous like you have to be incredibly aware of every part of you like every part of like what every part of you is doing like I remember um, I teach in seventh grade we we spend like five weeks on Julius Caesar which is way longer than we spend on any other text because I make them do a bunch of stuff with Julius Caesar and I constantly they're seventh graders and I'm constantly like think about your hands. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? And they're like pinned to their, you know, like they're like in a weird spot or like, look at your shoulders. And they're like hunched, you know, because they're thinking and they're nervous and they're standing in front of their classmates. Like they do have to be really good at being in their own skin, but I also am not asking them to be absolutely themselves. Like there is absolutely acting going on also. And so there's just this funny, especially working with like children and teenagers where it's like, you're not very good at being yourself anyway. Like Mm -hmm. you don't know how to stand up straight. You don't know how to speak with a clear voice. Um, But you also are being told by everyone around you that the most important thing that you can be is just exactly whatever you are. And you shouldn't try to do anything else. But we're also saying also try to do something else (laughs) with yourself. Like Mm -hmm. be be more yourself than you're able to be as a regular kid. And then also be not yourself at all. Um, Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? Like seeing kids experience. So many. (laughs) We yeah, we just got the five minute thing and we have so many thoughts about all of that. Um, But yes, I will just say briefly before I pass it off to one of these two here. um, Again, that's why we spend so much time getting them present, because you do have to be you have to be present. You have to be comfortable before you can take on the challenge of portraying someone else who's a very complicated person in a good play. Every single character is complicated. It doesn't matter how big the role is. Um, and that's hard, advocating for another person, presenting them to the world. Like, as the actor, you are the one shot this character has at being seen. Um, and so before you take on that hard work, you have to be ready. You have to enter it from a place of rest and focus. Um, and that comes through being present, knowing how you're doing, knowing how you are um, physically, emotionally, all of that. Yeah. yeah, you have to be conscious of yourself, but you can't be self-conscious. Right. <laughs> so hard. Which, like, What's so hard about that, I say, as a grown-up who totally struggles with that? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that's one of the more challenging parts, especially of doing theater with, with children and teenagers, is what are they even doing most of the time? <laughs> um, and so there's, yeah, I don't know, there's this funny tension where when we sort of talk about the... Uh, ideal right of like oh yes like theater is about this like all the very very lovely and true things Laura just said (laughs) um but then there's also this tension of like and yet I still really need you to like say the line like the right way so you don't embarrass me when we're like on a show in front of all your parents like so if you could really like just practice your lines a little bit like you're doing so great at being present you're here I love it please say your lines (laughs) um but um Yeah, I think that's totally true. When you're working with teenagers and you're working with children and you're trying to, like, invite them into this experience of being like, hey, here's a moment where you get to practice being a human Mm -hmm. um, that's not you. (laughs) And so there's no pressure on you 
uh, as an actual person because like you get to inhabit this other person that's doing behaviors and actions. And so um, if you're doing Julius Caesar, right, like you get to experience like what it's like to be a statesman who's afraid for his life or you get to experience a friend who's plotting the downfall of his other friend. Like you get to inhabit those emotions for a while um, in a very safe and low stakes environment. Um, and I think that's something that's really valuable for these age groups at this age. Like you get to practice having all of these really big emotions. Um, it, it just feels a little bit preparatory for them uh, in the course of their human journey towards being full grown <laughs> humans. Yeah. yeah. And I just talked about like, oh, you know, the tension between, ah, you've got to do this thing, but also you have to say a thing, thinking like Uda Hagen talks um, in uh, a bunch about how. Um, in, in when, when she's writing about, like, here are these practices that you need to do to be an actor who, like, understands yourself and your person and your private moments. It's so, like, yeah, if, if you can't go over the fact that when you stand in front of people and your toes pointed inward, that's a you problem. Yeah. There's just work that you've got to <laughs> do on that. Uh, and in one way, that's the hard stuff because you just have to do it. It's also the easy stuff because that's just like, oh, well, you know, point your toes differently, man. Um, <laughs> but then it's it's so... Good and this, you know, see kids running around the hallways being very, you know, I'm either like, you know, not aware of myself and also self-conscious. Yeah. Those things can can flip by being, you know, by understanding yourself and what's going on with you, and then being given a character who, yeah, is going through some stuff who you're there to advocate for, uh, and you can see, okay, because I understand myself, I understand a thing about this person who's very different than I am. I understand that we are both human. I understand that there's this common bond that we have and I can fight for that person. And once they have a person to fight for, then a lot of self-consciousness goes away because you're not thinking about like, ooh, myself. You're thinking about, all right, Brutus. I'm here for Brutus. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we're gonna have to come back um, I know our, our director of fine arts at the school, Lauren Turner, um, would love to join us for a conversation about this. There's a lot of other um, elements of uh, discussion about this that I think that we would all like to cover. I know I'm interested in a conversation about sort of like the the challenges and opportunities of staging productions um, using student actors. You know, they're not mm -hmm. grownups, and so what that means that um, what that means that we have to be careful as the adults um, who have been charged with their care. Like what that means that we are providing for them the challenges and opportunities there, and lots of other things as well. Thank you all for joining us. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for visiting Constantinople. Constantinople is a podcast of the St. Constantine School. To learn more about St. Constantine schools nationwide, St. Constantine College, and our annual vision conference in downtown Houston, please visit stconstantine.org. <laughs>